This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today we celebrate death defeated, and we do so because of what Jesus has done for us. We do so because of his crucifixion, and we do so because of his resurrection. The gospel, or what we call good news as we've come to know it and see it, is the great proclamation of what Jesus accomplished for us, which begs the question, What did Jesus actually accomplish for us? In other words, what did Jesus actually come to do? I believe the scriptures reveal two primary answers to that question. Number one, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And number two, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I want to begin today by looking at the first reason Jesus came. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 19. We're going to begin in the gospel of Luke today. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Say it with me, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Verse four, so he ran on ahead, verse four, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus for he was about to pass that way. Here we are told the story of a certain man named Zacchaeus and Luke's gospel points out three things about Zacchaeus. He was small in stature, meaning he wasn't a very tall man. Some of you aren't that tall, and you can relate to Zacchaeus in this way. Luke also points out that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and number three, that he was a rich man. To provide a little context for some of you who've maybe never heard this story before, tax collectors in the day and age in which Zacchaeus and Jesus lived were typically very despised people because they made their money, they got wealthy by exploiting their own kind, by taking advantage of their own people. They literally robbed from their own. And in in a Jewish-oriented family culture like the one that Zacchaeus lived in, this was probably the greatest social sin that you could commit. Luke also tells us that Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector, meaning he was the head honcho. He was the man at the top. He was the boss. He was the one in charge. And Luke also points out that he was rich or wealthy. The word rich here used in Luke's gospel is the word plusios. It's a Greek word meaning very wealthy. And it's the same word that Jesus would have used just a few minutes earlier on his way into Jericho when he encounters the rich young ruler. And he tells his followers, his disciples, after speaking to this young, rich ruler, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The word rich here is the same word, plusios, meaning wealthy. Now, why would Jesus say this? Is it because Jesus is against wealth? Is it because Jesus is against having things? No, certainly not. It was because the rich, young ruler, the 
Plusios man had allowed his wealth and his stuff, his material possessions to blind him from the truth. And here's the truth, that his wealth couldn't save him, that all of his stuff couldn't help him enter into the kingdom of God. You ever hear the expression, you can't take it with you? Well, it turns out it's true. Unfortunately, many of us spend a lot of our time trying to accumulate wealth and, and things only so that we can leave them to our kids to rummage through after we're gone. We spend a lot of our earthly time trying to get stuff, trying to build wealth, trying to pay the bills, trying to do the things. And when we think about it, it's kind of silly, right? But this is exactly where so many people get tripped up today. In Luke 15, Jesus tells his listeners a parable about a shepherd that leaves the 99 sheep to go find the single lost one. Enter Zacchaeus. Here's a man who thought he had everything. Here was a wealthy man who thought he had everything, even thought he knew where he was. But the truth is, he was lost. Now, it might seem offensive to some of us to be told that we're lost when we don't think that we need to be found. But the problem with being lost is, it's a lot like having bad breath. You're typically the last one to know it. Today, we depend a whole lot on our satellites and smartphones, don't we? We depend on our Google and Apple Maps to help us get where we need to be or to help us when we get lost. But back in the day, I remember a day when you had to pull over to your local gas station and ask for directions. That's if you were humble enough to do so. How about when you rolled up at the mall back in the day with your friends? You had to go to that central mall kiosk and you had to look for that little pin that says, you are here. I want to ask some of us this question today. Where are you? Not physically speaking, not geographically speaking, but spiritually speaking, where are you? Do you know where you are? I want to offer us some hope and a little encouragement today. Jesus knows exactly where you are. Jesus knows exactly where you are and he knows what you've been through. And like Zacchaeus, he's inviting us and inviting you to come down from that tree, to let go of that facade of a life that you've been constructing and building because it's time to get found. It's time to get found. Because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the ruler of the cosmos, it's his desire to come and visit with you, to dine with you, to make your heart his dwelling place. From the appearance of things, Zacchaeus had it all together, and he came seeking to see who Jesus might be, but in reality, it was Jesus who came seeking a man like Zacchaeus. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him Joyfully, verse 7, and when the people saw it, they all grumbled, saying, Jesus has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Here is a man like Zacchaeus, a man despised by his own people, a man perceived to be a great sinner and a lost cause, and yet this is exactly the kind of person that Jesus shows up for. This is exactly the kind of person that Jesus comes seeking. This is exactly the kind of person that Jesus wants to spend time with, even. My friends, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Now, 
It might also seem offensive to some of us to be told that we need saving if we don't think we have a sin problem. But the truth is, every one of us has missed the mark. Every one of us has broken God's perfect moral law. Every one of us has transgressed against him and against other people. You guys agree with me tonight? And the truth is, if that's true, every one of us has to reconcile this sin problem at the feet of the one nailed to that cross. You see, our sin problem couldn't be dealt with any other way. If there was any other way to deal with it, Jesus would not have had to come. But someone had to come to pay the price of the wages of your sin because the wages of sin is always death. If you don't believe me, ask yourself this question. When has sin ever brought about more life in you? When has it ever produced anything good for you or for your family or for those that you love or your friends? Sin always brings about death, which means that only death can deal with our sin. And fortunately for you guys and for me, We have a savior who came and chose the way of death, who came to die. Jesus chose death on a wooden cross so that your sin could be taken care of once and for all. And that's some good news today. Once again, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And I want to offer us some more good news. Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. How many are thankful for the saving work of Jesus? How many are thankful for the work of the cross tonight? You see, without the cross, there could be no resurrection. And without the resurrection, Paul tells us in the New Testament that our faith would be in vain. So we're thankful, Jesus. We're thankful for what you did on that cross. We're thankful that you willingly took our place to pay the price of our sin and to drink the full cup of the wrath that we justly deserved. You did so because you came to seek and to save sinners. You came to seek and to save the lost. Number two today, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. First John chapter three, verse eight says it this way. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. You see, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, the scriptures tell us here that the devil's been sinning from the very beginning. From before you and I were ever born or ever on the scene, the devil himself existed to do one thing, and that is to oppose the things of God, to resist the purpose of God for you and me. And as it turns out, whether we like it or not, from the moment we exist, from the moment we come into this world, to the moment we go to be with Jesus, we are involved, we are intertwined, we are engaged in a cosmic conflict, and this conflict involves a real enemy for your soul, and his name is Satan, his name is the devil, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren. And this deceiver, this accuser, not only hates you and despises you, but he wants to see your life destroyed. He wants to see your life destroyed. But I want to tell us today, in unison with what the church is saying all over the world right now, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. For this reason, the Son of Man appeared on your behalf and on behalf of me. Like a victorious king, Jesus marches out before his beloved army and bride, and he does so to wage war upon our sin. And he chooses the battleground of the cross to wage this war on sin and death 
and the devil. And I'm here to tell us today that our king has won. Our king has triumphed. Jesus has won it all. The reason we say that death is defeated, the reason we celebrate this, and the reason that we say that sin is defeated, and the reason that we say the devil is defeated is because of what Jesus accomplished on that cross for us and in his resurrection. That's why we're here today. Because we want to join in unison with what God did, which is raising his son from the dead. That's the hope that we have, and that's the story that we believe trumps all other stories. It's the truth that we believe, and it's the truth that will change your life the moment you believe it too. Do you guys believe that today? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and not just destroy them, mind you, but to openly put them to shame. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Here's what he says. And he canceled the record of the charges against us. How many are thankful that Jesus canceled every record of every charge against you? I'm thankful. And he did so by taking it away and nailing it to that wooden cross. And in this way, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. And he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus disarmed and dismantled every spiritual ruler and authority, and that would include the devil himself, with his victory over them on the cross. That's why our Savior King comes to battle on our behalf, because he came to seek and save lost people and to fight for them. I wonder if we're doing the same for others in our world today. Are we seeking and looking for those that need this hope that we have? Are we seeking out those that need this victory that we stand in and believe. I'm thankful that Jesus did this for me. And I know you're thankful that he did it for you. He goes to battle on our behalf as a victorious king. I want you to sit with that picture just a moment. Many of us, when we think about Jesus, we see the, the wandering Galilean peasant version, right? With the sandals and the robe. But I want you to see a risen Christ whose robe is dipped in blood, whose eyes are like flames of fire, who goes to war on your behalf. He loves you so much that he was willing to do this for you then, and he'll do it even now. Jesus disarms every spiritual ruler, every authority of wickedness in spiritual places that's set against you. He does this because you are his beloved. Today as we Prepare to close. I want to reflect on the power of Christ's glorious resurrection from this grave. Have you ever stopped to just consider what Jesus did for you? Not just the world, but for you. When's the last time you just driving down the road, you just stopped and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your resurrection. Thank you that you came and took what I justly deserved. The real story of Easter Sunday isn't just that Jesus came to do these two things. The real story is that Jesus still comes to do them today for all, for all, for all who call upon his name. Just like Jesus came to Zacchaeus, who was bound up in his sin and his shame, just like Jesus came to Lazarus when Lazarus was still in his grave, just like Jesus came to each and every one of his disciples when they were afraid, Jesus still comes to do this for each and every one of us today. So I want to know, do you know this Jesus I've been talking about? 
Maybe you've been watching online. Maybe you're listening to this message in your car. Maybe somebody sent you this podcast. But do you know this Jesus? No, not just know about him, but do you know him? Do you know him? Are you intimate with him? Can you count Jesus amongst one of your closest friends? If not, this just might be your moment, your day of salvation. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? If so, I want to lead you in this prayer. And it goes like this. Jesus, Savior, come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you died on that cross in my place. I believe that you came to seek and to save a sinner like me. I believe that you came to destroy every evil work pitted against me. Jesus, I believe you did that for love, and I believe that your Father raised you to life again on the third day. That's why we're here today. That's why we're celebrating resurrection. So Jesus, I ask that you would come now. Come again, just like you said you would. And give me a new life of freedom and hope in you. Come make all things new, just like you said you would. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit and with resurrection power so that I can walk in this reality all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you for the cross and I thank you for the resurrection and I receive you now into my life. Be the Lord and Savior. Be the director. Be the manager of my heart forever and ever. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together for those that made that decision today? Come on. God is so good. And if that is you today, please tell somebody. We'd love to know. We'd be honored to know if that was your decision. You can fill out this card. You can go to my decision today and let us know that you've decided to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're watching online. You can email us at info at courageouschurch.com. We'd love to come alongside you because as a church, we believe that you're going to need some things. You're going to need to be equipped to do some things. And we'd love to wrap our arms around you and come alongside you and help you as you take your next steps in following Jesus. You can also go online to createdchurch.com slash connect. You can fill that out and uh, our team will get in touch with you as well. We'd love to put a Bible into your hands and to help you as you step into what God has for you. I believe that Jesus is the one who brings new beginnings, amen? Amen. He's the one who brings a fresh start. And so if that's you, please tell somebody. Tell your friends, elbow your wife, elbow your your husband. Let somebody know. Do it gently, though. Don't hurt them. But do it gently and let us know how we can serve you as a church. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.